Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Hey, uh, today we're going to continue as we go through um, the book of John. We're going to be in John chapter 8, so if you have your Bibles, you want to kind of follow along there. Uh, This is, I'll be very honest, I'll be very honest, this is a chapter or a section I kind of wanted to skip, uh, and I wanted something more encouraging, we're starting the new year, things like that. But I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not a church that skips passages. Let's just go through it because Jesus has a point to it. So um, we're going to kind of be talking about the day as far as what is. And the more I got into it, the more I'm like, this is encouraging for us. This is a great way for us to start off this new year with this perspective uh, that Jesus is talking about. Um, Before we get into it, um, it was 19, which when I. When I said it out loud, I'm like, holy moly, like it seems so long ago. 1978 was my first introduction to soccer. Uh, soccer would be a big part of my life uh, uh, early on as a kid, getting on travel teams and just and a lot of great memories, great coaches, great experiences. I got to, to travel before I was even 12, traveled all over kind of the Western United States. And so uh, it started when I was five years of age. And... Uh, and I got to be a part of a team. It was my first time being part of a, of a group and a coach. And so any of you that have seen little kids or you have little kids, um, it doesn't really look like soccer when five-year-olds are on a field, right? Because there's a ball there, and then they all, there's no, they all just circle up and just kick the ball, right? And kind of just run in circles. And there's always that one kid that just kind of wanders off the field and runs, you know, and does his own thing. And then there's another kid that just plays with the grass, you know, there's, so you got all those kids, but most of them are just trying to kick the ball and, and things like that. And so this, this ball's being kicked and we're in a circle and the circle's just kind of moving all over the field together. Like, right. It just, it's kind of like this, you know, they're like birds that are just flocked together and they're just in a circle and we're going around the field. And, and I have a vivid memory of this because uh, the ball, I wasn't on the inside. And so I couldn't kind of see what was going on. And then all of a sudden the ball popped out. I was like, oh, and the goal was right there and there's nobody there. And I was so excited. Cause what do you want to do? You want to, kick it in the goal until boom I kick it and it goes in and I'm like yeah and I'm super excited the first thing you do is you look at your parents right it's like oh my god I kicked a goal and I was blown away like my parents weren't excited like they weren't raising their hands they weren't cheering and it's kind of like this like okay like <laughs> first goal kind of a thing and then uh as the noise began to subside and my brain kind of and uh the coach let me know he's like ah that was the wrong goal so you had to explain to me, like, not any goal matters. <laughs> okay, so you got to figure out, and you always have to know which way you're going. Because when you're a little kid, you get confused, right? All you do is go in one circle, and you just don't know which goal is which goal, right? And he's like, so he had to explain to me, like, hey, we, they have a goal. You have a goal. We want to we wanna score for our team. We don't want them to score. And what you just did is they actually, even though they didn't kick the ball, they got the point. So then I was bummed. My mom said I even got a little bit emotional you know, as a kid. You know, so like, and then got back on the field and we, we did that same thing. This story kind of illustrates what Jesus is going to be talking about today. That as you play this game of life, whether um, you do it on purpose or inadvertently, we can score for the wrong team. And the Bible talks about how you're born to a team. And whether you want to play or not, you're in the game. And Jesus over and over is trying to get people to understand what this means for us. 
and how to play the game. And so we pick up in John chapter 8, where Jesus, you'll notice in John that Jesus is constantly trying to convince them. It's like, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. Trust me, I'm the Messiah. I am God. I'm speaking for God. He's constantly showing just like, you can trust me. You can trust me. And we pick up an interesting passage where he's talking in verse 21. John chapter 8. And he says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said this. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. That's kind of important. What, what, what's, what's an important word there? Would you say that in that sentence I just read? If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. What word stands out to you? Really. What Jesus is saying is you can really be a disciple or you can think you're a disciple and you're not. In fact, if you notice when Jesus speaks to people, most of the time he's trying to correct people that think they're religious and they're not. People that think they're Christians, but they're not. People that think he was almost more concerned with people who had tricked themselves rather than people who were outright rebellious. Like, I'm not a Christian at all. And Jesus like, no problem. Like, they were almost easier to deal with than people like, yeah, I'm good. He's like, you're not. And so he's talking to them. He says, if you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says this over and over again as far as truth is really important because it sets you free where if you believe a lie, it actually keeps you in bondage. He's going to compare and contrast this. Truth is really, really important because it sets you actually free to be who God's designed you to be and actually to be with God. God cares about truth. And so they answered him saying, well, we're good because we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. So the whole thing is we're not enslaved to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? We are free. Why are you telling us we can be free? We already are free. We're good to go. And Jesus replied, he says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. What he's saying here is just because you were born into a good Jewish home, you're not automatically good. Every single person born is already born on a team. And that that team is opposed to God. The jersey I wear is a jersey that's not on God's team because instantly I'm born, I'm born towards rebellion. In fact, I'm, I'm born to not pursue or even agree with truth, but I'm actually born to already accept and believe lies. And we see this, it's pervasive throughout society. We're constantly inundated with lies. You need this to feel successful. You have to be this. Your goal in life should be the money. Your goal in life should be the education. Your goal in life should be how much you acquire. Your goal in life is how, what other people think of you. Like, if you think about the lies, we could just go hours and hours of all these little, and we just accept it. Oh, that's the norm. That's the truth. That's the thing. And Jesus says, and that's why we're in bondage. And that happens as soon as we're born. We have a, a desire that instantly is opposed to the truth of God. He says, now, when someone's a slave, they have no person of place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So listen, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants and that you're looking for a way to kill me, which is so weird. Like Jesus, this is the thing about Jesus. Is he doesn't mind awkward conversations. Let's just put it on the open. I know you guys have already been talking about killing me, so let's just put that out there. 
But truth sometimes is a little bit offensive. Truth sometimes is a little bit awkward. But that's if you're never willing to press through, you don't become free. You see that in relationships, right? Have you been in a relationship where you can't tell the truth? You've been in a dating relationship or in a marriage or in a relationship with your kids or in a friendship. You feel like you can't be honest. What does that do? It actually enslaves both of you. And then you begin to believe a lie and the relationship becomes a lie. And so Jesus is just speaking the truth. And he says, I know that you're even in that you're looking for a way to kill me, but because you have no room for my word. That's really important. You have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the father's presence and you are doing what you have. Um, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. And he's talking about Abraham, not talking about God. And so what Jesus is saying here is, listen, truth is really important. Uh, because when you are a slave to sin, you're truly not part of a family. But when you come into the family of God, this, this family of God is built on truth. That's what keeps us a family, is the truth of God, who he is. And Jesus is addressing this, the self-deception that we all can kind of live with. He's, he's addressing this self-deception, saying, listen, be careful that you're not self-deceived into living a lie rather than living in the truth. What he's saying is, listen, sometimes we get enamored with the jersey that we wear, right? The jersey that I had on said that I played for a certain team. Is, that, is Fresno Christian Education System was the name of the school, Golden Eagles. So we, we shortened it to FCES. I'm like, why? Who came up with that name? Fresno Christian Education System. I played for them, but here's the thing. Who did I score for my first time? Not them. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I have the jersey, but I'm scoring for the wrong team. I'm playing for that team. It doesn't matter if I have the cross necklace, the tattoo that says I'm a man or woman of God. I grew up in a Christian home. I go to church. I give money. Whatever these things, it's... Do you know who you're scoring for in life? Do you know which goal you're shooting for? Because the truth matters. Just randomly kicking the ball and saying, I'm playing for God. That's not what, what matters. So for me to be set free as a soccer player, again, for those few years I went on to play high-level soccer, I had to listen to the coach. I had to say, I'm not going to do what I want to do and kick the ball anywhere or put it around. I had to listen because there's kind of rules to the game and there's a truth that will set you free that will make you better but i had to be able to be willing to listen to that and not do what i want to do and so in the spiritual sense god is saying this is we're naturally born to say i'm going to do kind of what i want to do because it kind of feels good or it feels right and just because it feels right doesn't mean that it does the right thing or has the right end result and so jesus is addressing this as far as no truth truth matters and then we jump to uh, chapter 8 verse 41 they're angry because they feel like that he's saying that they're illegitimate children. You're truly not children of God. So this is what they said. They said, we're not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus, if you notice about him, he'll notch it up a level. Like if you want to play ball with him, he's like, I'll play ball with you. Let's go. However honest you want to be. And look what he says. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? <laughs> because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, 
not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, the father of lies. You see, when I believe a lie, when I speak a lie, when I live a lie, I'm scoring goals for someone that I think I might be opposed to, but you're scoring goals for him. Now, this is tough for us as far as like, oh, man, we're talking about the devil for our New Year's talk, right? To talk about 2021. And this is why it's, it's important is because what Satan's pathway, when he talks about the father, as far as in that culture, that's the leader. And he's saying that Satan is the leader of self-deception. Satan is bought into a lie saying, I can be God, I can be better God, and I can live apart from God. And he still believes that today. Satan is real, whatever name you give him, Lucifer, or the devil, or anything like that. he's a real being, he was a fallen angel. And he leads this rebellion of opposing God. And he believes that his lies are the truth. Because Adam and Eve sinned, now we are born into a family of we naturally in our heart of hearts, as soon as we're born, we can easily be deceived and believe lies. We participate with Satan in those lies if we don't turn to God. That's what the stakes are. Jesus is saying, like, this is bigger than just what we see here, that there's truly two teams. There's truly two teams. And when you're born, you're born on a, a team that is opposed to God. And through Jesus, through his blood, through his forgiveness, that we can change the jersey. We can change the team. We can live for truth there, as far as using that analogy there. And he's calling them out, saying, even though you're religious, even though you look good, you go to church, you give money, you, li- you look, people would think you're so spiritual. There's no truth in you, though. You don't live for truth. And he says, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? And he ends with this. He says, whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. There's two teams here. Now, some of us might be like, oh, I don't want to be on either team. I want to be on my own team. And the Bible says we don't have that option there. In fact, what the, the Bible would say is you can't be passive in this, which is really hard to think about. It's kind of weird to say. As I thought about this week, personally for myself, I'll be honest with you. I'm like, did I score goals for Satan or did I score, score goals for God this week? Now, what does that even mean? What is the goal of each? And it's simply this. If you want to write this down, you remember this. This is what the two teams are all about. Satan is all about selfishness, and God is all about selflessness. That's the two opposing things. Satan is about selfishness. He rebelled from God because of what I want. I want what you are, and I think I can have it, and I don't believe you, and I'm going to do it myself. I'm thinking about myself. Satan is about selfishness. Anytime I live a life where I am the primary epicenter concern, then I know what team I'm playing for. If every relationship is about me, if church is about me, if the money is about me, if this life is about me, what will people think of me? You got to think about what team am I playing for? And he's saying where Satan is so dangerous is he can, he can lie to us as far as no selfishness is actually the way to freedom. The more you think about yourself and live for yourself, the better you'll be. Let me ask you something. Have you known someone that completely thinks about and lives for themselves? How fun are they to be around? How fun are they to work for at a job 
I was part of a small business, I remember, and that small business, all they thought about, they thought they were the hardest work and all the employees were lazy. That only they thought about the business, no one else cared. That only they worked long hours and no one else did. They were horrible to work for, yet they bought into the thing of, the more I think about me, the better I'll be. It's a lie, and a lion traps you, and what does it do? Lies then kill relationships and kill your own heart and soul. And that's why God's like, I'm trying to tell you the truth so you can be free, so you can truly live. When you get into a relationship and you think less about yourself and more about them, that's actually the pathway to a growing, healthy, awesome relationship. The truth will set you free. Selfishness can be labeled what the Bible says as pride. That's why God hates pride, because it reminds him of Satan. Selfishness is pride, and selflessness is love, agape love. We see this illustrated in the scriptures. Right? Satan, his selfishness is shown when he comes into contact with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Look at what he tries to do. Look at how he tries to, um, to lure Jesus. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Look what he's doing there. God's called him to the desert. He's saying, trust me, do not eat bread for 40 days. Trust me. Let the word of God, let the relationship with God sustain you. And Satan says, be selfish, eat bread. Don't trust God's word. You need food. Everybody needs food. He tempts us with lies. And those lies sound good. Like if I haven't eaten for 40 days, heck, if I haven't eaten for 40 minutes, bread sounds good, right? And here's the thing. Is it inherently evil to eat bread? Is it? Yes, <laughs> some of you. Okay, all you keto people right now are like, oh yeah, it's in the Bible somewhere in the Old Testament. Thou shalt not eat you know, carbs, right? There's nothing in it, but it, here's where it becomes wrong. If the, lead, if the coach of the team says, that's not the goal right now. For you to score, I need you to be so dependent on me that you will give up food. And I'm not asking anyone else to do this. Jesus, as the son of God, as you talk to the father, I need the score right now is don't eat because you're going to see something amazing as you're actually freed from the things of this world and you're so dependent on me that my word, my relationship, when you wake up, it's literally like you're hungry for me. That was the win. And what was saying? Say, score the other goal as far as bread. There's nothing inherently wrong with bread. Just do it. But it's taking me from the goal that God has. Well, he goes on and continually has Jesus to try to think about himself. He says, um, Jesus goes on and says, well, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. By the way, if you want to live for truth, you have to be in God's truth. Some of us don't know the difference between lies and truth. We're easily deceived by Satan because we don't know the word of God. Well, the Bible's boring. It's hard to read. I'm super busy. That's fine. But the problem is you're going to be easily deceived. And even things you think are a victory are actually a win for the wrong team. The word of God is what really aligns us. And that's what Jesus is saying here is it helps us to understand what's deception and what's truth that will help us really to live free. He goes on, the devil then took him to a holy city. So now the devil's tempting us some more. And he stands on the highest point of a temple and says, well, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands. Again, he's trying to think about yourself. Think about what you can do. Let's see if you can kind of um, prove yourself right now that you are the son of God. And let's see if you can use angels at your behest as far as to do what you want to do. 
Jesus goes on to say, it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. He says, it's also written, do not put your Lord, your God, to the test. What's interesting about this is as soon as he said no to that, when the devil left him a few verses later, who came and helped and, and served Jesus? The angels came, right? But they came when God the Father wanted them to come, not when Jesus commanded them to come. And then the lastly, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and said, all this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. And he said, away from me, Satan, for it is written. Again, he used the word of God to speak truth. Worship the Lord your God only and serve him only. Satan will try to tempt you with this. Think about yourself. And that's tempting. Because trusting God means you're putting your life in his hands. I've done this countless times with people. I've encouraged them, just trust God. I'm lonely. And I know they're, I know they're not a Christian. I know they're not good. I know sometimes they, they drink too much or they're abusive in their language. But, oh, the loneliness. And, and I, I can change them or I'll pray for them or all this. No, trust God. What does the Bible say? That a prudent wife is from the Lord. A prudent wife or husband, a good wife or husband is from God. It's a gift. Just trust them with the gift. Trust them in the timing. I can't. I'm too lonely. I got to think about my own loneliness. I got to think about myself. I can't trust God in this moment. So when it comes to certain standards or certain things, right? And we, we just, you know, trusting him financially. Hey, just give. Be, be generous. And this is not like you got to give to the church thing. But it's one of those things. It's just a generous person looking to help out those uh, along the way who are poor or down and out or things like that or giving, you know, whatever it is, giving to the church, just being generous. But that seems opposite, right? No, no, if I think about myself, it's me first, and then I'll give if I have anything left over. But let me take care of me. And what the Bible says, no, be selfless. Start with others, and then God will actually give more to you. He'll take care of you. You don't have to worry. That's really hard for us. And I know as I say this right now, you guys are like, oh, yeah, amen. We do that. But as soon as we leave, it can be very difficult. But what, what Jesus is saying here is, listen, the reason your father's the devil is because you play to his game without knowing it. You sing the songs, but as soon as you leave church, the first person you're thinking about is me. And when you raise your kids, you're not thinking about who are they going to be when they're 40. You're thinking about my comfort now. Shut up now because you're driving me crazy. I'm thinking about me. I'm not even thinking about them. I can do that in my parenting. I do that in my marriage. I can do that at, at church, whatever it is. The environment is not what makes you godly it's the heart what jesus is saying here is what team is your heart playing for do i live my life where i primarily think about myself first that means that that you're you're kicking the ball in the wrong goal we see that god is about selflessness not selfishness look at what jesus says in john 15 he says listen as the father's loved me so i have loved you now remain in my love if you keep my commands you will remain in my love all of god's commands are about love just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. How do we have complete joy in life? When I love like God has loved. You cannot, there's no more joy than when you can love like God has loved. That's why you'll notice as you get older, those of you that are kids, you, you are stoked about getting presents. But don't you notice there's a shift in when you're able to actually give a gift? And you see the joy in someone else's face and it actually brings more. Like Christmas is even better. You're like, oh, this is even cooler. That's something that God does. God says, yeah, that's me. I give gifts. And when you act like me and you do life where like, I just want to give to others, you see the joy in that. It's actually better than what you receive. And he says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Not love each other as they have loved you. 
love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the power of the cross. This is why we take communion. It reminds us of the selflessness. The power of the cross is not the literal blood that came out of Jesus. Like when we sing the power of the blood, it's not the literal blood. It's what it represents. Selfless, sacrificial love. I want you to know that kicking the ball in the goal every day is this. When you think about 2021, what's the win? The win is as a church, can we wake up saying we want to be a selfless church? We just want to give. I want to be selfless when I come to church. I want to be a selfless church when we, go, when we leave here. I want to be selfless. Whatever God gives me, I want to be able to give away. Whatever joy he gives me, whatever wisdom he gives me, whatever comfort he gives me, I want to be able to give that away. Whatever encouragement, I want to be able to give that away. That's scoring the goal for the right team. But if 2021 is all about this year stunk, you know, this year stunk, and now is 21, uh, 2021 going to be better for me, we're starting off on the wrong page. I don't know what this next year is going to bring. I don't think bring the same, it's bring something different like that. But here's the thing is every year is about reassessing what team am I playing for? Because even if you have the jersey on that looks like a Christian jersey, again, you can still be kicking the ball in the wrong goal. Am I living for me? I, is it primarily about me? Do I think about myself first or no, 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 let me think of others first. Knowing that if I think about others, then God's thinking about me. And if God's thinking about me, I don't need to think, overthink about myself. His sacrificial love shows us the kind of example, the kind of life, and what our, our goal is. So this morning, as we think about this next year, my question is simply this as we worship. Who am I playing for? And am I helping God win? Is my day, am I super stoked when I just say, I helped God win today? Because it is about him. It's not about me. When we all get to heaven, we will not be at the epicenter where people will be like, you're amazing. No one's going to say that. We're just going to be looking to God. And why is God amazing? Because he gave us the example of what success is. He gave us the shining example of, listen, when you live a sacrificial life, that's when God says, if you humble yourself, who lifts you up? God lifts you up. Who's going to lift you up this next year? It will not be yourself. You don't even think about yourself. If I humble myself, then God will lift me up. And that's what's going to be a great year. That's what's going to be a great year for our church. Someone's asked me, like, what are we doing next year? Like, what's the plan? Are we going indoors, outdoors, all that? And as I've been thinking this last week, honestly, guys, this is my prayer for the church. I'm like, can we just be a selfless church? What if we have a planning morning where we shorten the sermon, we just say, what does it mean to be selfless this year? What does it mean to be selfless with people that don't know Jesus? If Jesus' primary one was being selfless and giving him time to people that didn't know God or they had an incorrect view of God, Am I doing that? Am I giving time on my weekends? Am I inviting people over that don't know Jesus? Am I going over to their house? Am I trying to strategize about how to take them out to lunch or how to, well, the restaurants are closed. I don't know how to, you know, do something. But am I getting creative as far as I just want people to know what he's done? I want to live for Jesus. It's that selfless, right? Or is it about my comfort, about my protection, where I'm at? I think it's a great time for us to think about that and to dedicate ourselves to being a selfless church. I think that's when we're going to really shine whether we're inside, whether we're outside. I think we're going to shine if we show up here and we have a group of people that say, listen, this morning is all about being selfish. How can I serve one another? Oh, does someone need, hey, can I get you something hot to drink? Hey, do you, you look cool? Can I do that? We're just mindful of each other. Hey, do you need prayer? Do you need this? Do you need that? Hey, I want to encourage you with something. And 
how cool would that be as far as it's not primarily about just this one sermon, but it's all these sermons, these people showing up saying, we're serving each other. Why? Because God has served us so well. God has served us so well. When Jesus was saying these hard words, hey, your father's the devil, it wasn't meant to shame them. It wasn't meant to say, you're a devil worshiper. You're listening to ACDC all the time and all that. Like, I don't do all that. He's not saying that. In fact, what he's saying is the most dangerous thing is not the person that says, yeah, I'm on the highway to hell. I'm not living for God. They're not the dangerous person. It's the ones that say, I'm good with God. And they keep kicking the ball in the wrong goal. And they keep opposing him, but thinking that they're playing for him. And they're lifting up their hands. They're cheering. And God's like, that's not what I have for you. That's not what I have for you. You're making it difficult for us, not helping us. That's what will be a great year. So the worship team is going to come up and as you take communion, I just hope this, I hope communion motivates you in this. But the reason we take communion is it reminds us of the cross and that, that Jesus said this, never forget these words. As scared as he was to trust the Father, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And that's the mindset of someone that's selfless. Okay, God, no matter what you've called me to this next year, no matter who you want me to reach, no matter what you want me to sacrifice, knowing it's not my will, but let your will be done. And here's the thing then I know that my joy will be complete when I trust him rather than being scared and maybe saying, I'm just going to trust myself. So I hope communion really encourages you, really reminds you, and that the Holy Spirit really speaks to you as far as what does it mean for you this year to be selfless in the home, at church, and in our community so that you may experience the joy of God. Jesus, we come to you now. And this is my prayer. This, this, uh, as I was thinking about our church for this next year, I don't know what's ahead. I don't know how often we're going to be able to meet. I don't know if we're going to be indoor or outdoors. I don't know that. But where my heart was really captured, Jesus, is I think by the end of next year, I just want to look around saying we're selfless. We're not a consumer-driven church. We're not it's all about me. And that we're super stoked about, like, giving. And when there's opportunities, we, we help each other saying, we can give here, we can give there, and we can help them out. And it wouldn't be a burden. It wouldn't be like, ugh. But it'd be like, no, we're part of a team, a worldwide team. And every time we make that goal, every time we're selfless, every time we, we, we tell someone, hey, don't worry about it, I forgive you, and we're, we're selfless. Every time we go and serve someone and they don't even notice, but, but we did it because you called to do it, we're selfless. We know that we're scoring the goal. And we're kicking the net and you're pumped. You're like, yes, this is how I live. That's the win. That love would truly win. Agape, sacrificial love would be our win for this next year. Knowing that you're stoked about that. That the coach is jumping on the sidelines saying, yeah. I just pray we're that kind of a church. And may 2021 be that kind of a year. No matter what's happening. Praise in your name, Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.